Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. On this week's episode, Pastor Jaina begins a 13-week series on kingdom culture, starting with our first core value, God is good. Amen. So we're going through kingdom culture. And the definition of culture in Webster, I just wanted to say this because some people have a hard time with that word because it's a word we use in the secular world a lot is culture. But let's, I'm going to say this definition in light of the values of Christ, okay? The set and shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that characterize an institution or an organization. Do we not want Christ's shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices in our lives? Isn't that what we're going after? I want kingdom culture. I want to believe all these things that we are going through. I want our identity to be in him. You know, he, he teaches us and he reveals more. And then I encountered him in a fresh new way today. And I thought, God, you just bring those truths even deeper in our lives. And some of you have heard the goodness of God your whole life. But he's saying, I just have more for you. I'm bringing in that truth in a deeper measure. So just open your heart today to receive from him because I really believe he wants to do something very special today. So our core values, um, a long time ago, when we were just a Bible study for a bunch of doctors and nurses and whoever else, and then friends, friends met on one night and we're doing healing school on another night and this little prayer group turned into this, you know? I don't know what this is, right? Turned into church. But when we were back in those days, um, I was going through my ordination and different things because Randy Clark called me out and said I needed to. So I said, okay, I'll do it. And when that was happening, I started going through a lot of different classes. And one I dragged Cindy and Ted into was creating the core values of what we believe. And it was a leadership class. And we began to develop it. And now Dan Fairley has developed in that class into a book. And the book is not, it's a devotional. It's called Kingdom Culture. And it's um, a devotional. I don't know. It's like a really kind of intense study. It's hard to describe. It's not like I'm going to sit down and read a book. It's not that. It's an intense study that might take you a whole year to do. But I'm just telling you that because some of you, um, if you want more and want to learn more, get that book. It's a good book. But um, our 13 values that we went through are God is good, salvation creates joyful identity, we're responsive to grace. I like to say grace with responsibility. We're focused on his presence, creating healthy family, God's word transforms, God is still speaking, Jesus empowers supernatural ministry, his kingdom is advancing, free and responsible, honor affirms value, generous like my father, hope in a glorious church. Did you know that's what we believe? (laughs) Those are the values, the core values of what we're going after. But as we go through them, I really believe God is going to work on our personal identity of who we are in Christ. All of those are characters of who we are, Christ in us, that hope of glory. So we get to start today with God is good. And um, Sage sent me this video, the children are saying, God is good. And then the kids said back, all the time, God is good. (laughs) They were yelling back at her and they kind of went into this. And I thought, isn't that cool? Our kids are declaring the goodness of God. And they're talking 
in there about it as well as at youth. So growing up, you may have had an angry God. Some of you may have to work and process through that God is good in all areas of your life. Some of you may have had a disconnected earthly father or abandonment thing. You need to really reconnect with God the Father and say he is good. Even in all those areas that may not have represented a good father, Jesus is our representation. He says he came to reveal the Father. So we're going to have to, some of us may have to rewire our brains to see what Jesus was revealing, this good Father. You know, when Moses asked to see God's glory in Exodus 33, God replied, I'll let my goodness pass before your eyes. And it was that experience when Moses' face was shining. Do you remember that? He said, I want to see you. And he said, I'll let my goodness pass you by. I was pondering that verse and verses in Exodus 33. And I thought about it. I was, you know, he was shining after that encounter with God's goodness. What do we look like after we encounter his goodness? I think we shine more like him. I think we are this very representation of Christ in us, the hope of glory. And the more we think about his goodness and who he is, the more we're going to encourage our own selves to step into things that he's called us to. As we're looking at this, there's this tension, and I'm going to go into it a little bit. But um, we're going to talk about who he is, but also there's this tension of life is still tough, and there's still persecution, and there's still hard times, right? There's a tension going on. And even in that place, God is still good. I was thinking of a bow and arrow being shot. And you know how you have to pull so far back to hit the target. And as you're pulling back, that's getting more and more tense. And then it shoots forward. And I, I just want to think, like, God is moving in us. And there are difficult things that are working out his character in our lives and different things. But he's always good, and he's wanting us to move forward. And maybe that tension of the kingdom is to move us forward to hit the dart, to hit it right on the bullseye. Sometimes tension is really good. So we're going to look at scriptures that are talking about, honestly, the goods, the thrill of victory, and the agony of defeat. How many people remember that? The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. So God is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. In Psalm 103, I want to read this to you quickly. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the love of those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed and he remembers that we are dust. He is compassionate. He is slow to anger. I want you to just marinate a moment on those, the language of that and say, do I see God as good in that? Do I see him as compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love? Not just a little love. He's abounding in it. It's abundant love for his children. You know, he says every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of his first fruits 
of all that he created. He's the father giving us good and perfect gifts. So we're his kids. You know, I think too, we need to establish that God isn't mad at you. When I was praying into this, I was thinking about some different ones in my life who've come into my office or have talked to me and just like, I don't know why, I just think God's mad at me. He's not mad at us. We're his children, we're working out our stuff. We're growing to be more like him, but he's not mad at you. He says he's patient with us, wanting all to come to repentance, right? He's patient with us. In 2 Peter 3 to 9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He desires that. In Romans 2, 4, it says, Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. I want to read that in the Message Bible. It says, God is kind, but he is not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. Whoa. Every parent in the room, I want to read this again. I want you to think about when your kids were little and you had to grab them by the hand and say, that is not where we're going or how we behave. (laughs) God is kind, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Jesus was the best example. Jesus revealed God the Father. That's what he came to do. He says that in John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. For now on, you will do, uh, you do know him and have seen him because you saw Jesus. Jesus came to reveal the Father. Before Jesus came onto the scene, we know there was not relationship with the Father. You had to work your way. You had to do the sacrifices to get into the tent. You had to go into the Holy of Holies. The sacrifices that took place were crazy amounts of sacrifice to get into the Holy of Holies. And now what? Because of the blood of Jesus, we have access to this Father. Do you believe he's good and he's for you? I, at the end of this sermon, want us to really marinate in every area of our life that we believe he's good and that he's for us. He desires that all are saved and healed. Um, Isaiah 53, this is a challenging one. Like this is the desire of a good father is that all are saved and healed. And I want us to say, think of people in your life that you are contending for that aren't saved yet. We're gonna keep praying. We're gonna be like that persistent widow. We're gonna go in that scripture. We're gonna contend for this. We're gonna believe all to come to repentance. That's his desire for us. He also died on that cross so that all would be healed. And if we haven't seen healing or that breakthrough yet, we are gonna contend for that like the persistent widow. We're gonna contend until we see that. It's the justice of what happened on the cross. He paid for it all. He paid for our sins. He paid for us to have salvation. He paid for the healing. So we're going to believe that. Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. Surely he took up our pain and bore our sufferings. And we consider him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. 
That's what Jesus did for us. He is so good. In Matthew 4, it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogue, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. He's what, Jesus was our example. This is how we're supposed to live. Preach the good news and all are getting healed. We were just with a friend, um, I had to take a break and help Ted. He had to go to a meeting, so I had to go to Hawaii with him. <laughs> and so I was gone last week, <laughs> couple Sundays. And uh, it's tough, I know. But um, pastor meetings, I just want you to know, are never in Hawaii. <laughs> I wish. But thank you, Mayo, for doing meetings in Hawaii. We were with a friend there. Um, I'm going to tell her salvation story in a bit. But as we were with her, she travels the world to the underground churches, and she goes into nations where probably most of us could never get into or never desire to go to. Anyway, as she was sharing with us, she goes, I have to tell you about what God's doing in the world. And as she began to speak, the presence of God just fell. I mean, we were weeping for four hours at our lunch. I don't know what our waiter thought. We gave him a really good tip. Um, (laughs) But as we were sitting there, the presence of God falls, and she goes, everywhere I go, in the meetings, it's different this year. All are leaving healed and all are leaving saved. She goes, all, not one doesn't know him and not one leaves sick. All, all, all. She has invites all over the world and at every major church in America. And she never takes the ones in America. I keep saying, come to Fargo. (laughs) But I want you to know all are being healed. And she said, I want you to know God is moving and pouring out in the world in might. And it's coming to America. And she kept, she started to prophesy over us, over Fargo and over burning hearts. And she doesn't, she's never been here. She doesn't really know this part of our world. And she said, Um, she said, where in the nation of America there have been great troubles, like there's been floods and earthquakes and fires, she said, God is gonna pour out first and he's doing it now. And I thought, you know how many floods we've had in Fargo, North Dakota? I said, that's us, we've had lots of floods. She goes, I know it is, that's why I'm telling you this. And so she began to prophesy about what God was doing now and going to do. And I said, all were healed you guys, this like begin to birth in Ted and I, and we're like, this is what we want. This is what I'm contending for, for Fargo, North Dakota. That not one leaves sick. Not one leaves not knowing a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. All are healed and all are saved. You know, he desires for all to be healed and saved. When she was, we began to share, um, let's, I'll go back to salvation in a minute. He desires for us to prosper in our lives physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally in every area of our life. Do you know that's in the scripture? He desires for you to be physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally healed. I talked about Sozo. When they got saved a lot of times in the gospels, it was they were saved, healed, set free, made whole. Their whole being, every emotion, every physical problem, every soulish realm problem, and salvation came to them in that moment. And that's what he desires to do. He desires for us to prosper in all things. The fullness of life in John 10, 10, he says, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and give it to you abundantly or in the fullness He comes to give you life abundantly. You know, we talked about healing, Isaiah. He also desires for our minds to be whole. In Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. 
As we trust in him, he's going to keep our minds steadfast. He says, guard your heart and your mind for a reason. He desires for us to be in abundance in every area of our lives. You know, it doesn't mean that you won't go through trials and persecutions. It says in 2 Timothy, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. Now, if you go in the Greek and look up everyone, <laughs> I'm just sorry, everyone. <laughs> it is everyone is going to be persecuted for the name of Jesus. Do you know that our lives as believers, there's trials and persecutions and pain, yet his goodness is going to pass us by and we're never going to be the same again. What is that tension that's getting us forward, that's moving us forward? The children in children's church today are going to talk about Joseph, and I'm not going to go into it. If you have kids, you can ask him about it, but think of the trials he walked through to receive what God had promised him, to take care of a famine in the land. There was a lot of trials. There was a lot of pain. Anyway, that tension is real. We know, he says in John 16, I have told you these things so that, I, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. When I was with Sama, Ted hadn't heard her story. Had you even read her book? She wrote a book, Face to Face with Jesus, if you want to read it. And I don't remember if this part is in her book, but I want to talk about his goodness and how even in trial in the worst place of our lives, he's there. She, I shared a little bit before about her story. She's my friend who was in church. She grew up in a Muslim communist country before Russia, you know, the USSR Cold War was over, all of that. But as she... Um, became a Christian. She went to church and was super persecuted because of her faith. She, the church was bombed and she died. And so she'll split her hair and this portion of her skull right here, like a very large portion came off and her brain was on the ground when they found her. They put her brain back in and took her to the hospital. And in the hospital, Jesus came to her and met her and said, here is your family member. She has 10 siblings and they didn't know Jesus yet. Do you wanna go back and share me with them or do you want to stay here? And as you sit and talk to her, she just weeps. And she's just like, I just want to be with him. I, she's tasted Jesus. And she just is not the same. I just want to be with him. But I told him I'd go back. She came back. Her siblings are Christians. And as um, she comes back and is alive, it was like 3 a.m. in the morning. And she's in horrible pain. She's burned a very large portion of her body. Her brain, the skull's still open. That hasn't been fixed. And as she's alive now, the pain just continues because the hospital was Muslim and they didn't like her. And so she's burned all over her body and they would rip things off and they'd say, just die already. Just die. And she was in so much pain and she'd say, I forgive you. Jesus loves you. I forgive you. The goodness of God, she'd tasted, she'd seen. She said it was horrible pain, but she'd tasted and seen his goodness. One time in the middle of the night, um, a physician came from America. He was like Doctors Without Borders. I don't know what group he was with, but that kind of thing. And he was um, in a tent hospital near where the church bombing had been. And he'd heard about these Christians that were in the hospital. And she, he came in and knew one of the administrators and kind of snuck her out in the middle of the night. And he took her to his tent hospital. She said it wasn't even like a tent. It was wide open. And um, he said, if I wouldn't have gotten you within of just the few hours, you would have been dead. And he did surgery, put a plate in her head and just restored her so she could live. And... Um, 
Salvation and his goodness comes in different ways. So she's suffering, obviously. She has another encounter with Jesus where all her scars are taken away. She has encounters with him and he just takes care of her along the way. 15 years later, she lands in America living in LA and, or she was visiting LA and um, she's like, I know this physician is from LA. I want to find him. I want to tell him and thank him for what he did for me. And so as she was in LA, the Lord said, go to this church and you're going to meet someone who knows him. So she went to the church and uh, she asked everyone, can you imagine someone at Burning Hearts, do you know Dr. So-and-so? Do you know Dr. So-and-so? And finally, the last person at the end of the service said, yeah, I know him. I know where his office is. And she's like, oh my word. So she got to go there. And she, when she went in, she met him and she just began to weep. And she goes, sir, do you remember me? You saved my life. And the man falls down weeping and he goes, no, you saved my life. I wasn't a believer and I did surgery on you. And all you could say is, I forgive those who are hurting me. I forgive him. And he, all he could say is, I have to know this Jesus. I don't know who he is. But because of her testimony of seeing his goodness in the most horrific place in time, he became a Christian. So they both got saved through the situation. He is so good. It says in James 1, 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The testing of our faith is developing maturity in us if we allow him and remember his goodness to keep bringing us forward. It's the tension. He is good in all things. God is good all the time he is good. Hmm. <laughs> You know, he's pruning us and he's making us to be more like him. In John 15, he talks about that process of pruning and making us to be more like him. And so we can live in that fullness of who God is. And so we can bear fruit, much fruit. Some of us might be in the pruning process. Some of you might be in those trials. Others of you are just in his goodness as he's revealing who he is. But I want you to know whatever place we're in, he is good and he's revealing his goodness to us. Because that's who he is. It's his very character and his nature. He is good. Despite all, he is good. And then some of us in those places, I feel like we're not, we're thinking, I'm praying and I'm contending for these. Are you hearing anything I'm saying? Are you hearing my prayers? And uh, I want us to look at a story about the widow in Luke. And... Uh, Holy Spirit is partnering with us in our prayers. You know, he says that because um, the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God, he's partnering with us. Holy Spirit is coming and partnering with us in our prayers. But I want us to turn to Luke 18 and look at this parable. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. I love that sentence. And I like it in the NIV. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. How simple is that? Okay, we're always going to pray and we're not going to give up. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in the town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. How many of you feel like that in your prayer life sometimes? 
God, I'm coming to you again with this. I'm coming again with this. I'm coming again with this. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? God is looking for the bride. He's coming back for a bride. We've talked about revelations recently. And he says, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice We keep praying and contending and believing God for that breakthrough. He hears us. Some of you are saying, I feel like he doesn't hear me. Am I hitting an iron wall? No, he hears you. He is going to move and bring justice. He's coming back. What greater measure? He says, he's looking at us and he's saying, you're my kids. I have justice for you. I sent my son for you. We're the bride of Christ. He's coming back for It's that tension. Do you sense it? Do you know what I'm talking about? Every one of us has a personal tension in our life where we're walking through a form of this. And he wants to reveal his goodness in every area. He wants his goodness to pass by us. He wants us to know that he is good. Some of you are waiting for an answer in prayer. Others of you have been contending for things for decades And we live in such a McDonald's, Starbucks society, whatever you want to say. We say our order, and then we drive like two little car lengths later, and we get it. Like, that's how our life is. That's not how the kingdom is necessarily. Sometimes we have to persist and be like that widow and contend for it and ask Jesus, show up. And you know, I taught on prayer the other day, and um, remember I said, like, when you're praying this way and it doesn't seem to work, then just find another way to pray and ask him for it. See what else he wants to work out in our lives. It says in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, wanting, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. His goodness, he's extravagant. And in that extravagance, he desires for us to walk in who we are. There's a piece of this as we realize he's good in all things in our lives, in every circumstance, in every case. We begin to have the identity of who we are in Christ. When trials come, we can, or persecution comes, you can say, oh, I forgive them. Jesus loves them. I can't comprehend the pain she was in as she was saying that. In Revelation 19.10, it says, For the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. The testimony of God's goodness stirs up our faith. It releases it to do it again and do it again and do it again. Each one of us carries incredible testimonies of Jesus. Your salvation is a huge, amazing, radical, supernatural thing that took place in your life. And there's so many more. Yeah, that last Sunday, they asked, how many people in this room have been healed before? Let's ask that question. How many people in this room have been healed of something before? Crazy amount. Wow, yay, God. It's like half the church. You know, he is good. 
And I want us to pray into every area in our heart and our life. I want him to reveal anything that's hidden of where we don't think he's good. And so let's just take a moment. I want you to just spend some time just personally with Jesus. Pastor Chris, will you come? But any area in our life where we don't see him as a good father, any area where there's been hurt or pain, we're going to invite him into those areas. I just want to take time for us to do some business with Jesus today. You know, Jesus came to reveal the Father, and he showed us what a good father is. And Jesus came and he sacrificed his life for us to have these breakthroughs. So Heavenly Father, we just invite your presence here today. I am so grateful for what you're doing in the body of Christ, for the testimonies of healing, of salvation. God, we contend for Fargo, North Dakota, that all would be healed and all would be saved. God, you just raise the bar for prayer because now we know it's possible. That testimony stirred faith in me and I want it to stir faith in each one of us that all would be healed. And you desire for us to be emotionally and physically and spiritually healed. You desire for us to be whole in every area. And you are so good. And God, I ask in areas where people don't see you as a good father, that you would reveal it and bring your healing. Jesus, we invite you right now in those areas as they come to mind, as there's pain in our lives, God, we invite you in that area. And we say, Jesus, bring your healing. Your blood paid for it all. Psalm 103, it says, you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. God, if any of those attributes I don't see you as, Lord, I ask that you renew our mind and heal areas where we don't think you're gracious or compassionate or slow to anger, where we need your love to abound. I just pray in each one of us, bring that healing, bring that freedom. You are a good God. Let us encounter your love today. that you give us the tenacity like that widow to be persistent. We want to be people that are praying and going after it. And so God, in those areas where we need a breakthrough, we ask once again for the breakthrough. We want to be persistent. We want to see justice for everything that Jesus gave on the cross. We do not want to become weary in doing good for in due time we know we will see the harvest for those that in our lives that need you as personal Lord and Savior, for those that need healing. God, we just pray again and pray again and pray again. We ask that you move in might over financial situations. I pray over the disappointment and brokenheartedness in people's lives right now. If that's you, I want you to receive healing and that goodness of God that he heals the brokenhearted. He said he's near to the brokenhearted. 
if you're one that says your mind needs renewing, I just invite Jesus right now to come in and renew and heal that mind. He is a good God. If you're carrying burdens you're not supposed to carry, if you're carrying the weights of this world, and he says, my burden is easy, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, that's what he says. Let's cast all our cares on him. Let's just lay it before the cross of Jesus. He's good. He's good. Declare his goodness in your life. Share the testimonies of Jesus. He's good. Father, I just ask over each one of us that our identity in you would increase, that we would know who we are in Christ. We would know what you say about us, that we wouldn't listen to another voice, the accuser. But as we read the word, we'd come alive saying, that's who I am. I'm yours. I pray an awakening on us as we go through core values in the youth and in the kids, that identity piece that the kids and the babies in the nursery would never have to walk a day without not knowing you, that they would walk with you every day of their life. God, that they would serve you every day of your life. God, we ask for all, all to know you. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you for what you're doing in this church, in these families, each individual that's represented. I thank you, God. There's a revival move and fire in each person that's here. Lord, fan our flames that we would burn for you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com. If you are in the Fargo area, we would love for you to join us at one of our Sunday services, either 9 or 1045 a.m. Have a great rest of your week.